Welcome to Life of Legacy, Your Key to a Better Life. Today, we continue with our first installment of the Power Series, The Power of Perception, as we discuss bias and the impact that our biases have on our judgment, as well as perceptions of ourselves and how those affect long-term success. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to Life of Legacy. Today, we're talking about the power of perception. And we've been having a very, um, let's say, engaged discussion mm-hmm. about the the effect that perception has on how we see the world and how it affects how people interact with one another, whether it's in marriage, whether it's out in the world, and uh, really got deep into a conversation about the effect of perception on uh, racial conflict and conflict involving police officers and specifically African-Americans. I think that's something that is all fresh on our minds right now. And so uh, we kind of got into that, but I also want to, two things I want to talk more about in addition to race, what are some other items of perception and things that we are seeing in the world where it really stands out when one person views things one one way and another views it a different way and it's causing conflict. And then I want to segue into talking about perceptions of ourselves and how that impacts us in life when we're striving for goals, whether it's personally, professionally, and things like that. All right, so segueing from the conversation that involved race, are there any other areas where it stands out to you that perception is playing a major role in Um, something going on in society, um, the world, or in households. I think gender is another one that that plays a huge part in the way things are perceived, Uh, especially in the workforce. Like that's, you know, because I'm in such a male-dominated industry, um, I'm heightenedly aware of my gender. Um, And as well as roles and expectations on uh, leadership or your commitments to work and motherhood and things of that nature, I think, play an issue. When you say you're aware, does that mean that you you feel like you have something to prove? It affects your decisions? What do you mean, aware? Um, I, I'm aware um, just in a sense of um, dual obligations between work and home, um, you know, where once you get to a certain point in your career, and it might be my age because we're still in child rearing, so maybe if I was older and the kids were already out of the house, it wouldn't be so much, but like when you have to take off of work for doctor's visits or your kids are sick or things like that, um, you seem to think that the older male generation doesn't quite get it, you know? Okay. Um, in, ter- in terms of how they perceive you balancing those demands? Correct. Okay. And you think potentially it's perceived negatively in a way that could hinder your career? Correct. Okay. And we're in 2020 and you still feel that way? Yes. Uh, uh, any thoughts from either... Stefan or Anissa on that? No, uh, I think the only time I've ever been about the gender 
I think it was when I worked for an investment firm, and I was definitely dominated by uh, majority men. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I can't say that it. I just it just I it made me aware that uh, there weren't the, at that time. I mean, now I'm sure it might be a little differently, but mm-hmm. at that time, it was it was dominated by men, and then you had some women, but you saw the difference in how the women were treated. And I won't say that they were like disrespected, but it was to, to a certain degree they were. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, even even the higher that they progressed in their careers and they were VPs and things like that, how they had to uh, bow down, for lack of a better word, in order to get things accomplished to their male counterparts or because of their male counterparts' ego. Uh, so that was something that was... Uh, that was new to me in my career uh, during that time with that firm for about uh, seven years. And I had never experienced that before. I mean, nothing ever happened directly to me, but I could see the difference. So you could see the trend they're doing mm-hmm. to this this uh, this woman who's supposed to be a somewhat in, in power and, uh, um, of the organization, you know, how, that, how that trickles down. Mm-hmm. And then you can also see, too, how they would just accept, they being the women, they would accept some of the condescending remarks that their male counterparts would say to them. Mm-hmm. I guess they felt like they needed to in order to fit in. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, that brought a lot of awareness to me as it related for the first time in my career mm-hmm. uh, about gender differences. Um, okay. So, it's, yeah. It, it seems like um, as society evolves and groups that have historically been oppressed, disenfranchised, start to um, progress and claim more equality and, you know, opportunity. It seems like groups that have historically been more privileged, some people, not all of them, want to stick their feet in the ground and kind of hold the fort and aren't willingly giving up those advantages that they have historically held. Mm-hmm. Would you all agree with that? Mm-hmm. Well, also, yes. I think also um, we have to talk about the Me Too movement and how that plays a role in dynamic in, um, you know, in your professional life. Sometimes men are not, uh, I think Mike Pence had a, you know, he had faced some backlash that, you know, he wouldn't have lunches with a, a you know a member of the opposite sex, or he wouldn't ride on the elevator of a member of the opposite sex, right? So, in order to you know keep his marriage pure or whatever, and to keep himself out of a potential conflict, that was a boundary that he had had placed on himself. But that also lets the woman, you know, a woman who's trying to get ahead. If men take those stands, we don't have access to build the relationships that other males do because they ha- they go to lunch, they play golf, they do this, and mm-hmm. you're not invited to the table. So your ability to, to succeed and climb and grow is stunted uh, due to that. So you're saying that, you know, use um, that example with um, Vice President Pence, mm-hmm. right? So you're saying that there are males out there who are taking a defensive Concern, stance yes. to keep themselves out of a potentially compromising situation mm-hmm. that's limiting their interaction with mm-hmm. women who uh, might benefit from 
their their mentorship or you know yeah. anything it's it's hard to find um and then they and it might not they just don't want any perception of impropriety or that you know you might be right. changing favors it might not be anything okay. but they just don't want to deal with whatever comes with that okay. um you know so that's so they're challenging again, to navigate right so they're again they're in self-preservation mode as well correct okay interesting i'm sorry anisa did that did i cut you off did something you want to say oh no i was just agreeing and commenting um uh, can't that's i agree mm-hmm. okay so in saying that how do we as men in a situation like that how would you all suggest navigating that so that it did not hinder potential opportunities for women? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's hard um, because I am a wife, you know, of a professional man as well. Um, so you also are like, well, I would love for my husband to make sure that he's protecting our marriage and protecting his reputation from any unwanted, you know, because sometimes the woman, you know, may be flirty or whatever, um, and there may not be nothing going on, or maybe it's the man or whatever, but there might be cases where there is some, uh, some intent on one of the parties and you would want to feel protected, you know, by your husband. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have, you have that, but then you're also the woman in the workplace. It's like, I have no intention of doing that. And yet I don't have access to mentorship and guidance and growth potential the way some other people, you know, have. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a hard dynamic mm-hmm. to navigate because, you know, on one hand, you're a wife and you appreciate that stance. Mm-hmm. And on another hand, you're the woman in the workforce trying to get ahead. Is there not a way to proactively provide um, an, an atmosphere or an arena where mm-hmm. women could have access, but it would be, um, you know, how can I say? All of a board or something. Structured and, mm-hmm. you know, something that the company, the business is proactively doing to make sure that women have those opportunities to build relationships with uh, males who are uh, in higher level positions and have the authority to uh, and, and influence to promote them or give them access mm-hmm. to greater opportunities is maybe there's a more structured way to go about doing that you know anytime you want to build improve diversity mm-hmm. and opportunity in a business if it historically hasn't been there, there usually needs to be some sort of structured, deliberate effort mm-hmm. to change right. to change the direction mm-hmm. and change the tide and improve that. Mm-hmm. So is that possibly a solution that could also maybe not not protect, but give the, the male uh, an opportunity to also be respectful of their marriage and not put themselves in a potentially compromising situation as well? Would that be a potential solution? You mean set for the corporations to set up a culture? Yes. Where they are training uh, individuals on diversity and how to deal with these set type up, set situations? Up a okay, set up a culture. Is that, that what you mean? Set up a culture that has, you know, a lunch and learn or company-sponsored social opportunities where it's in the business 
atmosphere and people maybe don't have to feel like they're threatened on either side right mm -hmm. where you know it's a, it's a company function you know people are there and everybody's from the business and so everybody's in a professional environment mm -hmm. and so nobody's isolated or alone well but then again you know that's kind of like a town hall maybe a free-for-all well it could, it but could be not a social. necessarily as intimate as mentorship it could and well, you know what i mean yeah i mean it could be a social but i mm -hmm. mean but you're saying that could be a springboard, but if the, if a woman wanted additional one-on-one -on -one mentorship from a male, yes. there's still an issue. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. But 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 don't <clears throat> don't men in positions of leadership and um, women who are in a subordinate role today still interact in the course of the business? You know, in the course of the business, in the course of the, the work atmosphere. There's still meetings and reviews and things like that where they're they're having one-on-one -on -one interaction. Mm -hmm. It's not like that ceased altogether. What what you're describing is males taking uh, precautions mm -hmm. in the building and the elevator, not going to lunch and things like that. Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is, are there other are there ways to provide that opportunity in the business setting so that neither side feels threatened and they don't have to necessarily maybe go play golf or go to lunch mm -hmm. but is that a compromise or is that unreasonable i mean it's something is it equal to you know the development opportunities that males get the answer is no okay it's you know it's like you know it's it's separate and not equal okay <laughs> you know well, as, as but it's something. As women, do you feel safe? You said it could be an opportunity. Do you feel safe doing that? Mm -hmm. As a woman, having those one-on-one -on -one interactions, mm -hmm. do you feel safe? Well, I think that depends on the person you're trying to, you know, that you're interacting with. If there's no, there's no history of impropriety, I wouldn't have a problem, you know, having meetings or whatever mm -hmm. um going to lunch discuss you know business lunches and things like that um however you know obviously if there was a turning of the tide you know then or you know comments had been made and you know you're gonna be hard pressed to find a woman that hasn't had some sort of uncomfortable interaction with a male counterpart um in her career you know so you know, I wouldn't be interested in that. I mean, obviously, but. Hmm. All right. Stephanie. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, let's, let's go ahead. Let's step in. I was, I was going to see if he had any comments before we segued. Well, I mean, I, I think you all made very good points. Um, I can't approach it from the female side because I'm a male mm -hmm. however I know as, as a male that if a woman does assert some level of confidence that most males will say that uh, she's a b-word uh-huh yeah. Mm. yeah yeah oh yeah 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 mm. okay yeah and she's she's sometimes seen by other female counterparts or angry black woman way as well you know, or she gets called things like bossy or whatever, you know, and these negative right. 
adjectives to describe her ambition. Mm -hmm. But if it's a guy who behaves that way, he's commanding and he's got leadership skills. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas a woman, she's difficult to deal with. Or like Stefan said, she's a B, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. So if we, you know, or yeah. if we were in a town hall and we keep speaking up, you know, she don't know her role or she don't know her place or, you know what I mean? Where for a woman that is driven um, and who speaks up and has confidence or whatever um, can be seen as threatening. Wow, okay. So on that note, we'll take a quick break. But what are your thoughts? Are women paying the price for being assertive in the workplace? Share with me your experiences and your thoughts. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Life of Legacy and our conversation on the power of perception. Let's get back to our discussion on gender biases and also talk about the ways we perceive ourselves and how that affects our long-term success. Hmm. Right. Anissa, I heard uh, you mentioned something as well. Are you trying to make an additional remark? I mean, like I said, the most time I've ever experienced that uh, being uh, black and the female and my other counterparts were not within the investment world, which uh, opened my eyes a lot. But I also I learned from it, too. And I guess I've always put myself in a position to always be respected and to be respectful. And if someone ever draws a line with me. In that regard, I've never been afraid to speak up, even though I know there probably could be some repercussions. It was just how I was raised. Um, But, you know, and I guess because of that, I never felt uncomfortable because, as you can imagine, in the investment world, we had clients, so we had to entertain them. Mm -hmm. So here I am, a black female, going to go play golf (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) with a bunch of white males. But you know, and but they were, you know, they were respectful. I don't, I don't remember uh, anyone ever speaking out of terms. Now, you also, you, you know, sometimes even with the clients, sometimes the male clients with their egos, you know, they would try to put in a little a side remark, mm-hmm. uh, not maybe regarding like your gender, but maybe just to even just to test your knowledge, mm-hmm. and then, right, and then when you can show them that you know, and even if I don't know, then I'm not going to pretend that I don't know, but I'll definitely get you an answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I seem, uh, it seemed like the respect was kind of uh, mutual. But I, th- I think sometimes, too, it's not just even the, the male and the female. I think like you were saying before, sometimes just the, the friction you get from other females just because you're just trying to achieve your goals Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like you're trying to push others to the side to, to, to get to that pathway, but that there's always some negativity or, or anything like that or so, uh, something like that. Um, and I just think it's just the world that we live in. I think from a corporation standpoint, you know, it has to trickle down from the top. You have to incorporate the type of culture that will respect where males and females can respect each other. Now, we all know we all can't be kumbaya all the time. Right. And that there's going to be some special, some special circumstances. 
uh, sometimes, but it's just about the mutual respect. And I think, Jonathan, I think even when I first met you and we started talking about working together and we were going to have a meeting, I'm like, your wife is coming, right? And I'm like, my husband, my husband wants to make sure your wife is coming too. <laughs> your wife is coming. <laughs> you know, and he'll tell you, like, yeah, 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 you already asked me to come like, I just want to make sure that, you know, there's, there, mm-hmm. you know, she knows that we're just business and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's just about that mutual respect and how you would want to feel. And I think I, I try to do the same way, even like with Stefan, he doesn't work there anymore, but I'll still check on him, but I'm, I'm definitely going to say, how's your wife doing? How, you know, how's your mm-hmm. family doing? That's just, to me, that's just respect. And I think that if we have more of that in the workplace, mm-hmm. you know, it could be a better place in the world as well, too. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> a great, a great place to kind of bring that conversation to a close is mutual respect, understanding, and, as the things we mentioned before about perception, being willing to put things in context, mm-hmm. to put yourself in another person's shoes, mm-hmm. and right. and self-assess, and really look at okay, you know, do I have a bias that's coming into play here, mm-hmm. and am I really looking at this as it is, and rationally, or am I being, is my reaction being colored by my bias, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think if, if we can start to do those things, maybe we can start to make some progress with bridging gaps, uh, whether it's based on race, gender, you know, whatever, whatever category Level it is. Level of attractiveness. Level of attractiveness. I guess that's, I guess, a, another topic for another day. Mm-hmm. I guess some people feel like more attractive people have it easier. Mm-hmm. They might disagree. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a life experience. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's just important for us to try at least to step outside ourselves and realize that the way we see things might not be right and try to put ourselves in other people's shoes. Because as you know, an African-American, we're often judged by the worst of us. The entire group is judged by the worst of us in a lot of situations. And, you know, it doesn't happen for other races and, and fear breeds more fear. And we've talked about well, several, of color. we've talked yeah. about several situations where we're judging a group by the worst view because mm-hmm. the things that we're seeing that are negative are so powerful mm-hmm. and so extreme that we feel like we have to protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I can't give a percentage for what percent of officers are aggressive and are abusing people or, you know, mm-hmm. killing people. I can't, I don't have any numbers for that. Mm-hmm. You know, there are officers out, officers out there that would feel that they're being judged by the worst of them as well. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, Most I, definitely. yeah. So I, I think we just have to begin to kind of have those conversations and step outside of our own reality to try to understand other people's perspective and take it from there. That's all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all I have yeah. right now on it. I think that's a good summary. I did like how Stefan had gave the analogy, though, just to add to that when he said, you know, if you're calling the police, it's not like you're calling them to give them some special hug or roses or anything <laughs> like that. You know, so, you know, whoever does it, maybe that's something we should do sometimes, you know, just to show our appreciation for our fellow police officers. But I thought that was a good analogy that he had provided. Yeah, and he also talked about, you know, him taking the initiative to when he sees people that are different approach them and say hello mm-hmm. and things like that. Now that's right. that's difficult if you feel like you're threat if you really feel like you might be in danger. That's mm-hmm. you know that's a tough thing to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you know we have areas in life where we yeah. can begin to reach out to Bridge. people who are different. Yeah. 
Like I smile right. all the time and I talk to the cashiers and all of that, but right. that's just who I am. Yeah. Um, but he's right. I am, you know, you try to be more intentional of, Hey, how are you? Are you having a good day? Yeah. You know, things like that. So, you know, you feel, you come off as less threatening as, Oh, she's very personable or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, whatever little bit you can do to change someone's perception or give them another interaction with someone that looks like you, that's positive, you know, that can't hurt. Right. Uh, well, also, I want to talk about our perceptions of ourselves, right? I think this is a good place to go into that because, mm-hmm. you know, these same areas of perception that we're talking about, you can be influenced, it can influence how you perceive yourself, whether it's based on gender, race, age, you know, a number of factors. We sometimes have perceptions of ourselves that hold us back. So I want to segue to that and talk about what experiences have each of us had with the way we perceived ourselves holding us back. Or, I mean, it could be, you know, maybe you have a positive perception of yourself that is an asset too as well. But, you know, a lot of us are held back by ideas about ourselves that come from negative experiences, whether in childhood or, you know, as adults. Mm -hmm. So let's start with Stephanie. He's been quiet. Well, um, my self-perception, to be honest with you, is pretty positive. Uh, I mean, I'm Stephanie, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, um, I've also been told that I'm kind of aggressive and I come off kind of kind of strong. So, I temper a lot of that with humor to make people feel a little bit more at ease with it mm-hmm. because I don't realize that I'm coming off being aggressive most times. But if people say that enough, you sort of, you, you, it's sort of, you know, plant the seed in your mind, like, okay, is that how I want to come off? Is it throwing people off? Is, mm-hmm. is, it, is it, you know, discouraging people from interacting with me? So, so I never, I never would have guessed, I never would have guessed that though. Like, what are you doing when people think you're aggressive? Are you, are you playing sports or doing something like that? Or like, in what situations? So just, uh, I mean, I've been in conversations with people and people are like, you know, the way the way you said that, and you, you were really kind of gruff when you said it, and I like to think that I choose my words rather well, but I guess depending on different situations, I, I may choose different words. Huh. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I can I can be a little vocal in trying to um, express my opinion. So... Okay. With all of that, you know, and a lot of times people don't necessarily want to hear your opinion or if, if their opinion doesn't match you, and depending on how vocally you express your opinion, then some people might be tempted not to even try to express their opinion because like, oh, this, this guy is real, he's real centered on his opinion. And I'm like, no, I really want to hear other people's opinions, but this is how I feel. Now let's go and let's see if we can tear mine apart. Because I, I'm always willing to learn, but I, I don't know, I don't think most people seem to accept that from me. Plus, I don't smile a lot. I'm not really a big smiling dude. Okay. Okay. So maybe that could play a role. Do, do you feel like, do you feel like possibly uh, there's been situations where race played a role in that? You're like me, an African-American male. Do you think that's played a factor in you being perceived as being a little aggressive? Oh, most definitely. Uh, most definitely. I don't have a problem with that. Um, 
but a lot of people, you, like I tell everybody, if you sit there and you take the time to get to know me, you'll realize that I'm not nearly as bad as what you might think. However, I am probably everything that you think I am. You know, so I mean, it's just honest. Um, if, if you think that I'm evil and this, that, and the other, yeah, I have that side to me. Everybody does. Yeah. But okay. if you think that I can, if you think I can be reasonable, yeah, I have that side too. But that's me knowing me, and I can't, I can't show you that side if you don't allow me to show you that side. Right. So if you, if you come in saying, "Hey, this guy, look at him. He's mean. He never smiles." Well, anybody that knows me probably knows I'm probably the goofiest person that you know. But just because I'm not smiling doesn't mean I'm not happy. I'm just, I just don't smile at people. That's not what I do. Huh. So, and you know, I've got you on the phone right now, but we've met in person as well. And you know, you have a very like light-hearted, jovial feel. You know, whenever you know we're having our you know podcast and stuff on the, and you're on the line. So you know, maybe it's because I can't see you and I can't see that you're frowning or scowling. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's it. But wait a minute, I, I'm not scowling, man. Why I gotta be scowling just because I'm not smiling? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, now don't get I'm me kidding. wrong. As soon as we get done, I'm. As soon as we get done, I'm gonna go kick the dog. But no, I'm oh, just like, um, uh, <laughs> we do not condone or believe in any animal abuse <laughs> on this show. We love animals. Yeah. We love animals, except spiders. <laughs> yeah, but realistically, I mean, people, people. Again, we go to perception, right? They see mm-hmm. you. They see how you walk, or or. You know, again, like I'm not smiling. I, I I tend to keep a serious countenance just because, again, I grew up in Philly. You can't be running around smiling everybody up here in Philly. That's crazy. <laughs> um, you you just gotta you just gotta get to where you need to go. So I'm pretty serious most of the time. But if you took the time to say hi or, or something, and usually I speak to people first because I I want to you know kind of disarm them, let them know, hey, look, hey, how you doing? I'm good. You don't have to worry about me. Okay. You know, because I, I I feel like people. Well, I've been told multiple occasions that I'm I'm a tad aggressive and I can be intimidating. Right. I never thought I could be intimidating, but if you keep telling me that, then I, I got to try to make adjustments for that. So 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 that's interesting because I've heard both you and Candace say that you all make an effort to put people at ease. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I know people, and I have I have friends who they take issue with the fact that they need to take action or you know or expected to take action to put other people at ease and usually it's tied to the fact that they think because they're black that they're perceived in this way as being maybe aggressive or people are threatened by them of other races and that they need to tone it down and reassure other people and take issue with that and some of us resent that right Mm -hmm. so you you all have taken a very uh you know open open open-hearted approach to that and are willing to smile well candace smiles yeah stefan takes other actions to kind of put people at ease do you all think that's something more of us should do or is that an unfair burden or, or thing to put on us um I'm more of a jovial, light-spirited person just in general. So it's more natural for me to be that way. Um, 
So I, I, it, I don't feel as if it's a burden because I'm jovial, I'm happy, you know, I'm usually a good spirited person. Mm-hmm. Um, so it takes no additional effort for me. Okay. It, it, I'm not going outside of myself okay um to do so and, yeah and but I, I do keep it in the back of my mind um kind of like what Stefan had said um you know I've been in conversations with people that don't normally interact with people that look like us you know and they're like oh you're just so different you know as if other black people are not like me um or you know like well what what was different about me you were so approachable um so I like him. I've had those comments to me enough to know that other people, what other people's perception is, and how I'm perceived differently. Okay. Well, I think a lot of us, especially those of us that are in corporate America, mm-hmm. we have to a degree we all change how we present ourselves in the work world. Would you all agree with that? So what do you think? Be honest. Do you change yourself to a degree when you go to work or are you 100% yourself? Share your thoughts with us and we'll continue this conversation next time in part three of The Power of Perception. Until then, thank you for listening. And remember, at the end of the day, what your life means is up to you. What's your impact?